1: Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen.
0: See my bleeding, dying Lord.
1: The sermon text for today comes from Psalm 95. If you'd like to read along, uh, the Blue Pew Bible, page 499, Psalm 95. People of God, hear the reading of God's word. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. God's Word. Let's ask
0: the Lord to... uh... Enable us by His Holy Spirit to understand His Word and apply it to our hearts. Lord, I know if I was attending this morning that I would struggle, as we all do, to concentrate, follow what is being said, to give myself to this Word, and Lord, moreover, to believe it and to be stirred by it and to follow it in my life to remember it past two o'clock today. We all struggle with this, Lord. We so easily, so lightly regard your word and we so easily forget your word. And by the middle of the week, so many weeks, we, each of us, myself included, having preached the word, have to ask, "Did, did this word affect me? Did I believe it? Am I living it out? Lord, bless us by your Holy Spirit that we will not treat this word lightly. As Moses himself said, uh, that this is not a casual word. This is your life. By your Spirit, may we regard it as our life. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. By the way, just uh, an announcement, a happy announcement that Audrey Louise Denton was born to David and Edie on Thursday of this week. So have a new girl in in our midst, uh, so we rejoice with them over this new edition <clears throat> um, it 's interesting how the whole world whether you 're talking about having how, how the whole world is centered on excitement uh, awe amazement we, we we love to be amazed at things we just down. The highway in Arlington, the whole little area is built for amazement, isn't it? You've got water on one side, you've got ballparks, you've got six flags, uh, the, the desire to see natural wonders all over the world. And uh, I remember, it still is there, but on the way from Birmingham to Chattanooga and even before, you must see 35 times, Sea Rock City. You know, that little sign stuck everywhere. Okay, okay. Um, But we are flocking everywhere, whether it's to stand on the top of the Sears building or to drive across the Golden Gate Bridge to see some wildlife here or there. We, or whether it's just entertainment, we love to be amazed. We love to be engaged. And I think all of this is legitimate If, of course, the ultimate end of it all and the whole point of it all is that we are adoring God himself in it and him more than anything else and him chiefly uh, in it. So the point is that we are built for adoration and amazement. We just spend it everywhere. We want it so badly And it's amazing how sad and, and sad that we do so little of it right straight to God himself and recognize him in it and taste him in it and have the emotions toward him particularly, specifically that we have to so many things that we offer our amazement for. And so we need... The refreshment and nourishment of the praise of God. Dear human being, I address you. You must have, you must have the refreshment and nourishment of the praise of God. Our hearts, our souls, our very lives are starving for adoration. That's why there's such an edge to us. That's why we're, we get anxious so easily. That's why we get miffed so quickly. That's why we dip under, because we're not buoyed up by praise and adoration and gratitude. We really do need amazement and joy and delight and astonishment. And if we fail to worship Him, we're basically throwing away our lives because we are made for that. It's like someone giving you $3 million and you spend it, over a winter, by lighting the fires in your fireplace. And it's gone by the end of it. That's what it is to live your life, apart from what you're centrally made for, the worship and praise and enjoyment and delight in God. And as we've said, this is a very happy obligation. It's a difficult one. But it's a very happy command of God, as Paul puts it in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He commands our joy. As we saw in Psalm 37, He commands us to delight yourself in the Lord. These are happy commands, but very difficult commands. And so as we've talked about uh, adoration, we've talked about it being the echo of God's glory in our hearts The echo of His beauty and greatness and goodness, all of His attributes, all of His accomplishments, it's the echo of that in our heart, the reflection of that. It's like the light of God's glory breaks into our heart and like a prism, it floods out in all the colors of adoration and obedience and trust and and service to Him because of His glory, because of His beauty. And so all of these A words, you know, adoration, astonishment, awe, uh, amazement, admiration. These are all words that speak of adoration. And that's what he calls us to himself for, as we saw in 1 Peter 2. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Just think of those words. You're royalty. You're chosen you are holy and separated. You belong to Him in an intimate way. For what? For what? All of these descriptions of the fierce, specific thing that He did to draw you to Himself through spending the blood of His own Son, His own Son's suffering, so that you could be all of these things. For what end in view? So that you could proclaim His excellencies. It's it. In one sense, it's the sum total of your life. The sum total of every day. However it looks, whatever form, even the obedience of cleaning your house, etc. I'm saying every part of it, though, is a part of worship. Whatever you do, even the most mundane things, whether you eat or drink, do everything to the glory of God. There is not one particle of your life that falls outside of the joy of, of of enjoying God. And so what he does is to turn us into glad worshipers in all of life, in all circumstances. He gives us in a sense the stability of adoration, the steadfastness of praise, the immovable foundation of gratitude. As Paul says in Ephesians 5:20, giving thanks Always for everything. See, it defines you, doesn't it? It just defines you from now on as to how you will live your life, how you will view everything, and so all of life is reoriented and redefined as worship. And you know, I, I think of, uh, I think of the difference of a, a father coming home from work. He's had a hard day. He's yelled at people on the way home that pulled out in front of him. And he's just mad at the whole world. And he comes in and his children, you know, can see when he walks in the door, take cover, you know. <laughs> like, don't talk to dad. The difference in that and and dad coming in with the big smile, where are, my, where are my horse riders? You know, as we used to play horse in our our house, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I think you could summarize what happens to us in, uh, in coming to Christ is that we finally, by the grace of God, through the glory and work of Jesus Christ, see the smile of God. We really see it. We see that He has smiled upon the human race in giving His Son for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And it breaks into us and we begin to see, as Paul said, He gave Himself for me, for me. And because of that smile, you know what? For the very first time in our lives, we smile back at God. The very first time. Because we love because he first loved us. So for the first time, there's not a frown or a scowl or an angry look uh, or a look of refusal on our part toward God. There's a look of smile and and adoration that's born in our hearts. And that defines us from their own as we're those that adore Him and love Him. Well, that's a review. I want to talk now some about adoration in the public worship, which we haven't done yet. Next week, uh, I want to talk about faith in public worship. But adoration in public worship, how should it look as we're here together? We'll just spend about ten minutes on this. Now, there's a lot that we could say on just the subject of preparation for this hour. So it's not as though you're going to go 170, what is it, six hours in a week? Is that right? 175 hours of not worshiping and then click, turn it on for an hour, you know, and then turn it back off after that. But we all need to think of ourselves as coming to worship, each with this torch of worship and praise, and we're all putting it together on the bonfire, you know and building a great bonfire of praise at this time. So there's the preparation of you daily seeking Him in the Word. And the Word not just being a matter of information, but I want to challenge you, are you seeking Him like the Discovery Channel, as you can go into the Word to say, I'm on safari here for the next 15 minutes. I'm on safari, and I'm looking for the glory of God in the Word. I want to find him. I want to taste him. I want to see something of who he is, what he's done in the Word of God. Imagine leaving out of Provincetown, Massachusetts, where you can go and take whaling ships and see humpbacks and finbacks and right whales right by your boat. And some of them, they say, 40 tons of whale coming all the way out of the water. You know, well, you go out there not to say, you know, I just want to see the water today. You know, I just want to be out on the water. I want to just feel the breeze. No, you're looking for whales. You know, you drive all the way up there for the purpose, from Texas, to see whales. That needs to be our purpose in the Word. I don't my quiet time. I hope I learned something today. No. I'm on safari. I'm looking for the glory of God to break out for me. I want to go for the burn, as we said last week, as Jesus brought out the, His own glory in the Word of God. So be like Moses. Show me your glory. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. See, that kind of heart that's been seeking Him all week is going to be a lot More seeking Him on Sunday with the people of God. And as we've said, we want to practice adoration in all of life. Uh, Practicing praise. Practice embracing Him in every experience of life. Connect the dots. May I give just a slight example? As I was going to session prayer Friday morning, we pray down at Ben Dice's office. The session does every Friday morning. And on the way down seven o'clock, little before seven i 'm seeing those beautiful live oaks at TCU on either side, and it just struck me that he made the oak, he made the shape of it, the, the feeling of it, and then he made me to like it, you know that whole and I just, it just struck me the whole experience of being comforted and enjoying these and being thrilled early in the morning at the beauty of trees. He thought of that before the world began. No. It just, just blew me away that God thought of one morning, Friday morning, Darwin's gonna see those live oaks that I've got there, you know, and, and, and he I'm gonna make him like I make every human being with the capacity to delight in that. That's the kind of thing. Or as I so many times on Friday mornings, I just get to Ben's, you know, and stumble to the coffee and you know try to start praying. Well, practice adoration in all of life. Practice adoration as you go to the Word. Uh, Prepare yourself at least for a couple of minutes Saturday night or Sunday morning to have prayer and say, Oh, Lord, show us your glory tomorrow. What if all 300, 400 people, sometime at least Saturday night, Sunday morning, we were all fervently praying Oh, Lord, like Jacob, who said, we will not let you go until you bless us. Or like Moses, show me your glory. We really were all saying, Lord, show us your glory tomorrow. Don't, don't not visit us, Lord. Show us your glory. So that kind of prayer, you can do it while you're in the shower. You can do it while you're fixing breakfast. You can do it just silently, even driving uh, to church. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I will sometime down the road. Prepare by getting here on time. Okay? What if we were all sitting here five minutes before, preparing our hearts, getting ready to worship Him? Well, I'll talk about that later. Everybody's ducking, you know. Um, Now, here in, in worship itself, throughout the different parts of worship, we have to come here ready to do it, you know, ready to concentrate. To bring our whole selves to this worship. To give ourselves completely through the whole beginning end of public worship. That's hard to do. But we all have experience at concentrating on something for an hour or an hour and a half. We all do, right? You know what it is to some of you to play chess for an hour. And you're just focused on chess. Or... To play, engage in a basketball game where you're playing, or to be watching a basketball game or football game, uh, to give a critical report or presentation at work, and your mind is not wondering. You are focused on this, and the boss and the place, the the other company that you're trying to win are there, their business. And I mean, you are absolutely focused for that hour or two hours. Doesn't matter. You're not sitting there bored. I mean, you are focused. We know. There, there are times where we think, I've got to be focused. We don't even think about it. We just give ourselves to it. Or it could be even working on a project, giving a lecture, arguing a case in court, creating a bed of flowers or laying down a floor in your, your house. All these things, watching a movie, a TV show, playing a video game, all these things. We know what concentration is. And it's amazing how, con- how we can concentrate so much more outside of this hour and a half. Could it be it's a spiritual warfare? Possibly. Could it be that here this really has to do with life itself? This is the centerpiece of life, and the enemy would do anything to keep you from giving yourself completely in this hour and a half. And so the way the psalm begins, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's why I brought up, some of you may have missed it, but that billboard about the Rangers game that says use your outside voice and certainly here we should use our outside voice when we're singing. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. I've seen that a lot. In fact, I've seen people like this. During... Oh, for a thousand times the sing. You know, doesn't really want to use this one, but uh, we want a thousand. You know, the expressions of worship uh, engage the whole of the person. And so remember, adoration is a happy work like rafting or uh, mountain biking or uh, repelling. Things that are difficult and, and you may be exhausted when you're through, but it's thrilling. But you have to give yourself to it. Can we not do that in worship? To say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me, bless His holy name. Hobbies that we have a passion for and we get lost in, I pray that that could be us. You know, We have a passion for being together and, and we lose ourselves in worship and we can't get, wait to get back to it. We always really want more of it. And then, of course, all the different parts of worship. You know, the very call to worship is a call of God to delight in Him. A call, an invitation, a welcome from the God of the universe. Come, come and praise me. Come through the work of my Son and enter into fellowship with me. Let us give ourselves to each other as you are my people. And that's one of the reasons I say, don't be late and miss the call to worship. You know, it's glorious to hear God call us. As we read the call, it, it's, it's God's own invitation. And of course, in the singing, that's obviously a part. I mean, that's the, probably the thing we think most about adoration. But think deeply about the words. Get their meaning and then really seek to sing them to God. You know, not just to mouth them, not just to run through them, but to make this your emotional heart uh, statement to God. I find when I'm truly worshiping him in in a hymn that sometimes I say it real quietly to myself, sometimes just in my head, but I'll sing a phrase and I'll just think, yes. Oh, you are, Lord. You know, those little phrases because my heart's engaged and I'm, I'm reading a, a line and I, I believe it. And it, it touches me. It means something to me. And I almost want to stop every time and say, g- 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 yes, you know, with every phrase because it, it's gripping my heart. May the, may the Lord give us that kind of thing so that we seek to understand and actively delight in him as we pray. Even in the invocation, you know, as we begin in prayer praising Him, you hear other people praising sometimes when we have the praise of God, that you will enter into that. Again, at least a kind of silent, yes, amen, Lord. At least the Presbyterian, amen. Mm. You know, <laughs> at least, and if that's too far out on a limb, do it silently. <laughs> If that's too emotional, too out there to say, mm, then just at least in your heart, you know, to say, I agree, I want that I, I pray that as well. Um, so that kind of thing, praying along with every prayer, making it your own, especially as we're talking about now, those aspects in which we praise him and adore him for all that he's done. And the confession of faith is, is not simply a perfunctory rehearsal of doctrine. Let me, see. Let me see what I believe. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. He, 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 he uh, was a virgin birth. And I believe, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's really a recounting of your whole life. It's, it's a, a way to adore Him. To adore and say, this is what I believe. These are the precious things. And even as you say them to admire the truth and to admire Him as you say them. Born of a virgin. Suffered in a historical Uh, An historical place under Pontius, Pilate was crucified, he was buried, he's raised from the dead. You know, where we enter into that, it becomes a part of worship. It's not the downtime, it's not filler for us, but it's adoration. Even the confession of sins, you see, is a is a declaration of His authority. You're adoring His authority. You're adoring His holiness. You're adoring His majesty and the, and the Word. And you're adoring His willingness to forgive you, His goodness that calls you to come and confess your sins and receive forgiveness. You're adoring His omniscience by saying, I can't hide anything from you. You're adoring His omnipotence to say, if I run from your judgment, it will crush me. All I can do is to come to you and say, Oh, Lord, I'm undone. Forgive me. And I, I hide myself in Christ. This is such a time of adoration and praise. And of course, um, as we declare his forgiveness in hymns or, or the reading of the word, there's so many other things to say. I just want to mention uh, the reading and proclamation of his word. What a time to adore him. We, te- we tend to think of everything else as worship then there's the preaching of the word. but This is really in many ways uh, not want to make it our only, of course, because sometimes people think in that way to say, well, you're just leading up to the real point is the preaching of the word. It's all worship, but this is worship as well. Um, if it, it, It's interesting, Isaiah 66, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Uh, all of these things my hand has made, He says, but to this one I will look. I'm this glorious God over all things. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Who do I look to? He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. There's no true worship apart from respecting and honoring his word, believing in the promises of his word. That's where he reveals himself. That's where we see his glory. We can't adore him apart from his word. That's why I think Psalm 95, I had us read that before we began, because right in the midst of praise, as we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, he breaks in, and it's shocking. He is our God. We're the sheep of his pasture, the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. <laughs> Who said anything about hardening hearts? Don't turn away like Israel did. Right in the midst of praise, He is setting before us that if you don't submit to Him, if you don't give your life up to Him, you really don't praise Him. You really don't think much of Him. There's no honor given to Him if His Word is ignored. And that's why the beginning of the hymn book of the Psalms is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who meditates day and night in the Word of God. He's like a tree planted by... root. That's at the very porch as you walk into the hymn book is here. Everything is founded on the word. And what's the longest psalm of all, the longest hymn of all, Psalm 119? It's about the word, 176 verses. So the word is central in every way. Um, And so uh, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me. All of worship is bound up in giving myself gladly, joyfully into the will. You see, entrusting myself to him, knowing he will do me good. Such an honor to him. It's such a recognition of his greatness and his wisdom and his goodness and love in Christ. To put yourself in his hands and to obey his word. And to tremble at that word. And of course, the centerpiece, and this leads us to the table of all of your praise here and throughout the week is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself. This supper is the focal point of worship. It's to, to have all of worship end in this one experience of taking Christ visibly to ourself. He is the end all of worship. It says in Colossians 1 that he would be preeminent in all things. It is Christ who we want to be preeminent. As Paul said in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ. Or Romans 14, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. That's worship, isn't it? Everything is for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so, whatever you do, Paul says, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. And as you've heard many times, Paul said, The love of Christ governs us. That's a worship statement if I've ever heard it. What is the landscape of my life? It's the love of Christ. That's what motivates me. That's what moves me. That's what uh, cars me out and creates me every day is the love of God in Jesus Christ. So He is the great, wonderful, glorious focal point and joy of our worship. Let us pray. Lord, Thank you that in rescuing us from darkness in drawing us out of death, you rescue us centrally from our alienation against you. As Paul puts it, you reconcile us to yourself. You bring us to God, Lord Jesus. You restore us into fellowship with the God who made us. And you plant in our hearts a joyful adoration Lord, we confess how that adoration can get so quiet in our hearts, it it seems almost to be gone. We confess how hard our hearts can get against you, how this living stream that we should be just sitting by and hearing all the time and drinking from and rejoicing in, that We're like a person that would wander so far away from it that we can't even smell it anymore. We can't hear it anymore. We don't even remember what it tastes like anymore. We confess, Lord, our our worship can be like that. It can fail that way. And we lose everything when we lose that. We, We lose all the sweetness and reality of life, lived in fellowship with God. We pray that you would forgive us, Lord. We thank you that you are relentless in pursuing worship in our hearts. And you will not let us go. And you will conform us to your ways. And you will make us true worshipers of God more and more and more. Oh, Lord, we say with Moses, show us, show us your glory. Make us, Lord, to delight in you. Through
1: Jesus Christ. Amen. The pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America.
0: Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful.